0: Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to be able to gather together and worship. We thank you for new life in Christ. We thank you for this season when we can celebrate your love for us. I pray now as we turn our attention to your word, that your Holy Spirit would be at at work in our midst. That he would use the words you've given me and he would touch hearts and minds in our congregation. In Jesus name Amen. So here we are, the end of another year. They go by faster and faster, don't they? At least they seem like they do for me. We at the end of the year, I think many of us like to take time and reflect back on the past and also time to think to the future about what's next in our lives. So a question, have you made your New Year's resolution yet? Are you excited to start? Or in reality, might you be dreading Tuesday morning? Right. Maybe you haven't made a resolution because you're simply tired of getting to February 1st once again and realizing you failed. Or perhaps you've just become complacent and content with where you are in your life, so you don't think there's anything to change. Maybe you feel stuck, but you're just tired of struggling Maybe you're frustrated and you're overwhelmed, but you've just resigned yourself to your present circumstances. Or maybe you're angry with God because of unanswered prayers and broken promises. Maybe you really do want to change in the new year, but you just don't know where to start. I've got good news. There are steps you can take which will lead to lasting change in your life. And whether you make New Year's resolutions or not, whether you feel stuck, frustrated, overwhelmed, or content with where you are, God wants you to change. Right? God wants more for you. It doesn't matter if you are just beginning your journey with Him or if you've been walking with Him for 70 years. God wants more for you. He wants better for you. And He's given us steps that we can take that will lead to lasting change in our lives. God loves you. That's the message we've been celebrating this Christmas season. Right? And He loves you so much, He sent Christ. He took the first step. To make things right. And more than anything else, He wants each of us to take the second step back towards Him. And once we do that, once we take that step, He invites us to partner with Him to change the world. And that is a pretty awesome opportunity. You see, once we take that step towards Christ, it will begin a process of change that should affect our entire being. It's a process of change that will not be finished as long as we are walking on this earth and drawing breath. See, in the end, he will fix everything, but he's not done yet. right? And it's not just a spiritual change that God wants for you. Luke 10.27 tells us that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. You see, our God is a holistic God. And He cares about your entire being. He didn't just create you as a spiritual being. And He doesn't just care about redeeming your soul. Christ came... To redeem our entire selves? Christ came to redeem all of creation for the glory of God. So as we start a new year, let's get a little honest with ourselves. Do you need to lose five pounds? Or maybe fifty? Do you need to improve your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your siblings or your co workers? Do you need to change your financial situation? Do you need to become a better employee or a better student? Maybe you're just not sure what you need to change because you haven't been spending enough time with God for him to tell you. Maybe that's what you need to start doing differently in the new year. See, regardless of what God wants you to change, he has given us a path to follow that will lead to change. He's given us a model. He's given us four simple, not easy, but simple steps that will lead to the change He wants for us. So let's start with a little history lesson. If you've been worshiping with us through the fall, you know we've been studying the life of Joseph. And we've been looking at Joseph's life and using it as an example to help us explore the absolutes of our faith. Now, Joseph was one of 12 brothers, right? The 12 sons of Jacob. And if you've been with us, you know, Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt by his other 11 brothers. And I know we haven't gotten to this yet, so here's your spoiler alert. But eventually, they do reconcile with each other. Right? And once they reconcile, Joseph invites the whole family to move in with him. It was like 80 people. His father, his 11 brothers, their wives, his nieces and nephews. And, and you thought hosting your family at Christmas was tough. Right? So the whole family moves in. And they spend a couple, hundred of year, a couple hundred years hanging out in Egypt. And then we get to the great stories that are recorded at the beginning of the book of Exodus. Stories of plagues and miracles. And that ultimately lead to this dramatic exit. Exit. That the Israelites take out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And once the Israelites leave Egypt, God is ready. He is ready to fulfill the promise that he had given to Abraham over 400 years previously. To take them to the promised land. But you know what happens? They got scared. It didn't matter all of the things they had seen God do. It didn't matter that they had just walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. They got scared to make the changes necessary to go to the promised land. And because they got scared, they got lost. And they spent 40 years wandering around the desert in circles. An entire generation dies in the desert. And a new generation rises up. And now God's ready again. He's ready to fulfill His promise. He's ready to lead this new generation to take hold of the promise He has given them. And that's where we find ourselves. That's where we find the Israelites at the beginning of Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapters 3 and 4 provide this great framework for how we can change any circumstance in our lives. Chapters 3 and 4 detail the Israelites crossing the Jordan River from the desert into the promised land. Chapters 3 and 4 tell us how the Israelites finally leave behind their years of slavery and wandering, their years of being lost, and how they take a bold step forward to claim the promise. This was not some small incremental change that they had to make. This was wholesale drastic change. So how'd they do it? Have you ever gotten lost in the woods? I did once when I was little. Terrifying experience to be lost in the woods. You know what you're supposed to do if you get lost in the woods? You're supposed to sit down, not move. You're supposed to sit down and wait for somebody to come rescue you. Because when we're lost, it doesn't matter if we're physically lost, emotionally lost, or spiritually lost. When we're lost, it's proven we wander around in circles. We expend all of our energy, and we get nowhere. When we're lost, we need a guide to help lead us to our destination. For 40 years, the Israelites had been lost Wandering around in circles in the desert, how in the world were they going to get to the promised land? I'm going to read from you, read for you from Joshua, chapter three, verses one to four. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Albert Einstein is famously quoted as saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And Anthony Robbins says it a little differently. He says it this way. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. If we're going to make a real change, we need to take a new path. And we need to find an arc to follow. Right? Do you guys know what the most popular genre of videos on YouTube is? I'm not talking Gangnam Style. Right? Do you know what the most popular genre of videos is on YouTube? It's how-to videos. Right? Because if we're going to do something new, we need help. We need someone to show us how to do it. Now there's a video on YouTube called "How to Tie a Tie." Eight and a half million people have watched this video. Now, in the, in the traditional service, they were asking me why I wasn't one of those eight and a half million people. You guys are just wondering what a tie is. Right? But God tells the Israelites to stay back and follow the ark. Right? Because to get to the promised land, they have to take a path they've never taken before. And they need a guide to lead them down that path. So what's God prompting you to change in your life? Whatever it is, you need a new path and you need an arc to follow. Maybe God is prompting you to love Him with more of your strength. But to do that, you need to get into a little bit better shape. Right? This is why gyms offer free sessions with trainers for new members. Because they know that if you're going to achieve your goals, you're going to need help. You need an arc to follow. I'll tell you a true story. In 2005, about seven years ago, I weighed over 220 pounds. I was a physical mess. I could not have run a mile if a bear was chasing me. You know that old story? Two guys are walking in the woods, and they come across a bear. And the first guy says to the second guy, what do you think we should do? And the second guy says, I think we should run. And the first guy says, but there's no way we're ever going to outrun the bear. And the second guy says, doesn't matter, I just need to outrun you. Right? I'm the guy, in 2005, I'm the guy you wanted to be stuck in the woods with. Right? I wanted to change, I really did. But for two years, I wandered around in circles, in my own personal physical fitness wasteland. Right? I tried all sorts of different things, but I made no progress. Then about five years ago, I made a real change. Right, I've lost 60 pounds. Well, to be honest, a little less. Christmas has been tough. But, right, but I've become a competitive age group distance runner and triathlete. What made the difference? Right, the difference is I found an arc to follow. Right, I was willing to admit that I couldn't do it alone, and I found someone else to follow. I found a new path to take, and I committed myself to going down that path. And that made all the difference. But God tells the Israelites to stand back and follow because change requires taking a new path and it requires a guide to lead us down that path because it's a way we've never gone before. But that begs a question. How do we know we're following the right arc? Right? There are so many voices out there screaming for us to follow them. So where do we go for direction? Do we listen to our favorite cable news prognosticator, our favorite authors, our financial advisor, our teachers, our politicians, our bosses, our pastors, our family and friends, the internet? I mean, everything on Wikipedia is true, right? That's what they tell me. Right? Joshua 3.9, Joshua says to the people, And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. So our source of direction is supposed to come from God. Does he still speak? He does. He's given us things. Sometimes we call them spiritual disciplines, ways we can communicate with him. Prayer, meditation, seeking wise counsel, and the Bible. You know, this thing is full of great stories. Right? And study after study has shown that if you really are serious about changing your life, it doesn't matter what the change is. If you're really serious about changing, the single thing that will be most effective at leading to transformational change in your life is reading the Bible. Right, These other sources of information are not intrinsically bad. In fact, some of them can be quite good, and God can and does use them to help teach us And help lead us down that path. But we have to make sure we're testing those sources of information against the truths that are contained in the Bible. This is our ultimate standard of truth. And anything that does not conform to its truth is not truth. Right? The Bible is sufficient for all of our life and salvation. Right? it's not necessarily specific about everything we may face. That's true. There's lots of things that you can't just find that verse to say, what do I do now? But in areas where it's not specific, what it does do is it gives us frameworks. It gives us principles that we can apply to help us discern truth and direction. Six years ago, I stepped away from a successful consulting career to take a job at a church. If I had listened to most of the people who were giving me advice at that time, including church people, I never would have done it. Why? Because making that transition defied the world's logic, it made absolutely no sense. We have to make sure we're following a true arc. If we want real change in our lives. And I don't want us to get legalistic about this. About how often and how much. But if you're not regularly spending time in the Bible. If you're not regularly seeking God's direction for your life. Then perhaps that is one change you should be making in the new year. And if you need help with that. I heartily recommend Uversion.com. They have apps for iOS, for your iPhone, for your iPad. And they've got apps for you Android guys too. Um right, there's lots of great reading plans they have. From five days to two weeks, you can read a little part of the Bible, you can read the whole thing. It's a guide to follow. It'll help you on your path towards change. So if we want to change, we need a new path. We need a clear direction. We need an arc to follow. And you know what? A new path plus a clear direction plus two dollars and forty seven cents we'll get you a venti coffee at Starbucks. Because a new path, plus a clear direction, by itself, does nothing. Because nothing changes if we never take the first step. We are experts at filling ourselves with knowledge about so many different things that never actually result in any meaningful change in our lives. Because we've never actually done anything with the information we've gained. We've never taken the first step. We're our, we're our society of armchair quarterbacks. We are ready to give other people opinions about things we have never actually done ourselves. So if you want to make change, you actually have to take a step away from something old and a step towards something new. The most important and perhaps the hardest step you will take in your change journey is that first step. John Bingham, who's the author of a popular column called The Penguin Chronicles, had this to say after running his first marathon. The miracle isn't that I finished. The miracle is that I had the courage to start. If you want to lose weight, step away from the refrigerator and step towards the gym. If you want a better relationship with your spouse and your kids, step away from the TV, the computer, and the iPad, and try having a conversation with them in person. If you want to free yourself financially, stop buying and start giving. If you want to find God, stop listening to the wisdom of the world and start seeking Him. Change always requires us to move. Change always requires action. Change always requires a first step. And that first step is always a step of faith. Let's pick up with the Israelites in verse 10. And Joshua said, "Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that He will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, and the, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan." Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand up in one heap. Stephen Furtick, in his book Greater, had this to say about taking that first step of faith. God does not necessarily tell you how he will do it, only that he will do it. If you sit around waiting for him to tell you how he is going to hold up his end of the bargain before you start, you are in for an awfully long wait. Truth be told, you are probably in for a lifetime of waiting. God's directions can be painfully vague and incomplete. See, he doesn't tell Joshua... How he will drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, or Jebusites. This is what tripped them up 40 years before. They got scared because God wouldn't tell them how he was going to help them conquer the promised land. So they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert. 40 years later, he's still not giving them that answer. All he's telling them to do is step into the water. You know, four years ago, my wife and I started a nonprofit, and our goal is to help provide support services to, to families of children with life shortening conditions. We have these huge, audacious goals. And four years ago and today, I have no idea where we're going to get the resources to accomplish those goals. Right? But we felt a prompting from God, and we stepped out in faith and started anyway. We pray every day that God is going to provide additional resources, and I believe with all my heart he will in his time. Because there are over 11,000 families in New Jersey that we still haven't been able to help. But you know what? There are 50 families that we have. You have to take the first step if you're ever going to accomplish change in your life. Do you ever get frustrated because you pray and God doesn't answer? Maybe you're mad at God because you feel like he made you a promise and he didn't deliver. That's real. But maybe he didn't deliver because you never moved. Maybe he didn't deliver because you were afraid to take the first step and get your feet wet. You know, sometimes God's directions can be painfully vague and incomplete. In fact, sometimes all God gives us is a single word. Right? God told Abraham to just go. He didn't tell him where. He didn't give him directions, and I'm pretty sure the donkey didn't have a GPS unit. Right? He just told him to go. Jesus just told Peter to come. He didn't explain how the whole walking on water thing works. He just said, come. And God didn't tell the Levites how he would stop the water. He just told them to get their feet wet. Do we have enough faith to act on a single word from God? Maybe the only word he's giving you about your marriage is stay. Stay. Maybe the only word he has given you about your future is trust. Maybe the only word he has given you about your financial situation is I will provide. Maybe the only word he has given you about your rebellious child is love them. Maybe the only word he has given you about your lousy job is be diligent. See, one of the words God has given Deb and I over the past year is simplify. And for us, it has been a hard word. And I'll be honest with you, I am a recovering materialist, so this process has been difficult. Right? And we're still grappling through everything that it means for us, and it seems like it means something bigger every day. And we're pretty sure it's a step that he's using to prepare us for something else, but we have no idea what that something else is yet but we've started. We've started to simplify. We've started taking tangible steps. You know what? Once we started taking steps, once our feet got wet, we've watched God begin to stop the waters in real and tangible ways. And some of the things he's done, some of the things he's given us have been small. Like the couple who stopped us in the Target parking lot the Saturday before Christmas and handed us a $50 gift card and said, buy a present for your son. And some of the things he's done have been huge. right? But they're all signs of his faithfulness when we're willing to take the first step. If we commit to a new path, if we find an arc to follow, if we take the first step of faith, God will respond once our feet are wet. Change requires a new path. It requires a clear direction, an arc to follow. It requires steps of faith. But the change journey is a lifelong journey. right? God isn't finished with us as long as we're walking this earth and drawing breath. In the end, he will fix everything. But he's not done. He's not done yet. He's not done with you, and he is most certainly not done yet with me. And sometimes the path is difficult. If we're going to be able to persevere along the change journey, we have to remember where our power comes from. We have to stop and celebrate our successes. We have to tell the stories about what God has accomplished so far. Joshua turning to chapter 4 I want to read for you the first 3 verses and the last 4 When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan the Lord said to Joshua take 12 men from the people from each tribe a man and command them saying take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from every place from the very place where the priests feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight that you may fear the Lord your God forever. If we're going to persevere, we have to take the stones and tell the stories. We must remember where we have been. We must remember how far he has brought us. It's easy to get caught up in our present circumstances. It is easy to lose perspective along the way. It is easy to get caught up in what the world is trying to sell us. We need the stones to remind us. We need the stones to encourage us to keep going. We need the stones to remember where our strength comes from. You know, as part of our journey towards simplification, I've been working on cleaning out the basement over Christmas break. And we have cleared out a lot of stuff But you know what else we've done? We've uncovered some pretty significant stones. Stones that help us remember God's faithfulness during pretty trying times we had with our older son. Stones that have helped us remember God's faithfulness during significant financial difficulties we've faced in the past. We have found some stones... That help us remember all that God has done for us. And these stones give us the courage to keep going. Right? What is God calling you to change? He's calling you to change something because he's not done with you yet. And he's probably not calling you into vocational ministry or to become a triathlete or to start a nonprofit or to simplify your life. That's my journey. It's not yours. But he is calling you to change something. Because God has plans for a better you. And God has plans for a better me. So as we enter the new year, let's seek to discover those areas we need to change. Let's find new paths. Let's get some clear direction. Let's find that arc to follow. And let's take those steps of faith. And then then we must take the stones and we must share the stories. So do this for me. Put your fingers up to your neck. Feel your heartbeat? As long as it's beating, God's not done with you yet. Right? And like Paul, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you loved us so much that you took that first step. That you sent Christ and that he was willing to come. And that through Christ, when we take that step back, you usher us in to a lifelong journey of change. I pray for each one here that you would encourage them. I pray that you would make the steps that you would have them take abundantly clear and that you would give them the courage to take the next step that you have for them. And we'll thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen.